0: Thank you for listening to the collective church podcast collective is a church for the rest of us Which means if you've never been to church walked away from the church or are struggling to find a church to connect with you belong here There are so many great things going on at collective right now So make sure you are following us on social media at my collective church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into sunday's message Today, we have a really special Sunday planned as we continue in our series called The Things We Carry. In just a few moments, I am going to have a special guest speaker join me on stage so we can talk about probably the the topic in this series, more than any other topic in this series, that every single one of us will experience at some point in our life, and that is grief. But before we get into this topic, I want to remind us what this series is all about. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, he said, "'Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest.'" He said, "'Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light.'" And so the phrase that we've been using in this series to describe how Jesus wants us to live is freely and lightly. And that doesn't mean that life is easy. It doesn't mean that life will be without trials. It means that we don't have to carry these heavy things all alone. It's a life where Jesus teaches us and he shows us when we walk alongside him that the pain that we have, the the struggles that that we carry, that he will give us rest for our souls through those things. It's this life where we link up with Jesus and we let go of the baggage we are carrying and we can live freely and lightly. Over the past few years, I have seen firsthand as the pastor of this church, the impact of grief and grieving. And I've learned that this is something that we are just not good at. This is something we struggle with as people. And admittedly, I struggle with this. and I'm not very good at this as well. And so that is why Karen Leggett is joining me today. So we give it up for Karen. Uh Hi, darling. (laughs) That's that's a good start. So Karen is um, a friend. She is a grief counselor. Um, and her and her family are a part of Collective. And this February, um, Karen and her husband Justin sat down with me to share a little bit of their story on a podcast series that we're doing called Your Story Matters. If you didn't know, every Thursday we put out a new episode and these are stories about real people in this church who have been through real things. And um, Justin and Karen shared uh, in the first quarter of that series, we're about halfway through now. Um, If you haven't, checked those podcasts out, you just need to look for the Collective Church Podcast, and you should listen, because um, these are really good stories about life, and um, these are not stories that are perfect. These are not stories that have a nice little bow on it, and... um They're just stories about people who've been through highs and lows and what Jesus has done in their lives. Um, And I would specifically encourage you to go back and listen to Justin and Karen's episode if you haven't, because there's a lot of stuff um, that you need to listen to in that podcast to fully understand what she's talking about today. Um, But one of the reasons why Karen is up here with me is because she understands grief on a professional level, but also on a personal level as well, um, one of the things she shared in the podcast was just a few weeks after uh, you and Justin got married, your mother passed away. Um, and that was heavy, you know, a thing that, that, um, that hit you guys really hard. Uh, they shared that just a few years later. They struggled with infertility. Um, and then the last thing, which was like in the podcast was like what is happening in your life, was that a few years ago, Karen was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so her, prefer, her professional and her personal experience with grief is the reason why she's going to share with us today. And so thank you so much for being up here. Um, I expect you all to be on your best behavior. Okay, anytime someone's on this stage, I'm like, I'll just warn you, they're weird. Okay, this church is strange. Um, but I've shared just a little bit about you. I've shared kind of the heavy things, of yeah. course. Um, but let's kick this off with the easy question. Tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Absolutely. So I do want to thank you for uh, inviting me to be here and share something that I'm so deeply passionate about, and I've spent um, 20 years in my career, which makes me feel very old to say that, um, in working in end-of-life care and grief and loss. Um, So it's something, again, I'm very passionate about and could talk for days, but we won't keep you for days, just about 25 (laughs) minutes. So, um, know that this is a bit of a 30,000 foot view of uh, grief and loss, but, um, about me, I am born and raised here in Frederick and I am a wife to Justin. And, uh, you heard my, one of my 12 year old twin sons say hello as I came up to the stage. Um, I am a mom to Parker and Jacob. Uh, I, Oh, goodness, what else? So I, um, as I mentioned, working in end of life, I uh, am a board certified music therapist by trade. I have my undergraduate degree in music therapy and spent seven years working in hospice care um, as a music therapist, administrator, bereavement counselor, um, before uh, moving into my current role 11 years ago, which is crazy to say, Um, as a family services coordinator with Infinite Legacy, which was formerly um, the Living Legacy Foundation of Maryland and the the Washington regional transplant community. So I work with families who are experiencing often sudden and traumatic loss and supporting them through that grief and through the organ and tissue donation process. Um, and <laughs> if that wasn't enough, um, I uh, 11 years ago as well became the continuing education director for the Center for Music Therapy and End of Life Care, which um, provides continuing education to board certified music therapists, and I develop and facilitate the curriculum to teach music therapists how to work in end of life care.
0: This is why Karen's talking today, and <laughs> not me. Okay. Um, so, just professionally, personally, tell us a yeah. little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, in my in my spare time, which as you can I don't have a lot of, but, um, I do love listening or reading, uh, listening to or reading a good book, um, going to baseball games, whether they're professional or my 12 year olds. Uh, and, uh, I love a winding down with a reality trashy TV <laughs> show, which my husband absolutely despises.
0: <laughs> we, um, we bond over yeah. that though, so it's
1: okay. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, and yeah, yeah. it's a bit so, about me.
0: So if you don't know, there are different areas of counseling, right? And, and as um, society and culture kind of catch up with the world and what it really needs, you're starting to learn that counseling goes just beyond like general counseling. And so um, there are things like marriage counseling, there's substance abuse counseling, but grief counseling is one of those things. And so can you tell us Um, what does a grief counselor do and how did you get into that? Because that's not necessarily something I think anybody here is like, you know what I want to do? That. Um, So tell us a little bit about grief counseling as a whole. I
1: had no idea when I was 21 years old starting my internship in hospice that that would be that end of life would be my niche in my career. Um, So grief counselors work in all sorts of populations, organizations, and even in private practice. And their role uh, is to support individuals experiencing loss and transition um, in their lives uh, by providing different counseling techniques to do so. In terms of how I got started uh, in this field, obviously, as I mentioned in my um, postgraduate internship as a music therapist, I was able to um, facilitate, co-facilitate a grief support group, and um, that's sort of where that started. And I've continued in my various roles, uh, providing that same support. um, And it's just something that works for me. Yeah, and you love it. I do. Yeah, it's one of the things that we talk
0: about a lot when Karen and I sit down is. Um, how much joy there actually is in this field. And we kind of have this misconception um, that it's just all pain, and there is a lot of it, but there's also a lot of healing and a lot of hope and a lot of joy with that as well. Um, So let's talk about the topic of grief because one of the things I've learned from you is that grief is way more complicated than what we understand it to be. Um, And really, there's this thing where there's this misconception that grief is just about sadness, um, but that's not actually true. And so how would you define grief?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So grief is so much more than sadness. You're right. Um, grief is an individualized nonlinear process of integrating major losses and life transitions into our sense of self and into our reality. So all of that to say grief is a universal and a personal experience. I truly wish that I could sit here today and say that none of you will experience the pain of grief, but it is the one universal experience that we all share.
0: Yeah. That was something when you told me I was um, very enlightened by because it's this thing that every single person in this room will experience at some point in their life, you know? And so such a big part of that is having the tools and having the understanding because It is this shared experience, which means, you know, sometimes I'll I'll say stats, if you look around this room, half the people in this room have been through this thing, right? But the reality is if you look around this room right now, every single person in this room will experience some sort of grief in their life, every single one. So, But it's this feeling of we're alone and and we're going through it by ourselves. And because of that, we've kind of put it in this box of it's just sadness, if I don't see sadness, therefore it's not grief, but it's universal. You know, we all experience this. Um, So last year, any of you watch WandaVision? on Disney, I think, okay. Um, So there was this quote, went around the internet uh, about grief and it said, "'I've never experienced loss "'because I've never had a loved one to lose but what is grief if not love persevering? And so as soon as we sat down, I was like, hey, is that legit or not legit? Um, How how close or far away is that quote when it comes to like the feeling of grief?
1: Yeah, so I think it is absolutely legit. And um, there's a lot of different sort of quotes that you hear from um, grief educators, counselors, talking about, you know, you don't have grief without love. It is more, of course, than just that, but I think that that was a really beautiful quote and really reached people in a very um, uh, appropriate way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got people talking about it, right? Like some of you shared it on social media, even though you're still trying to figure out what grief is, but it hits you in that space where you said, okay, like I I know what that feels like and I'm gonna dig into that. Um, so let's keep pushing this part of the conversation though. So what constitutes grief?
1: Yeah. So I like this phrase that I was taught by a mentor very early in my career. Change equals loss equals grief. Let that sink in for just a second. Yeah. Yeah. So grief is not something we only experience when someone or something dies. We experience all types of loss in our lives. And these could be things that are not death-related loss. They could be the end of an important relationship, divorce, loss of career or change in job, uh, loss of financial stability, loss of home, neighborhood, community, um, loss of health due to chronic illness. Loss of independence through disability—I could go on with the list for a very long time, but I won't. Uh, I want to really mention and bring home to you that even positive change can elicit feelings of grief. So, thinking about changing jobs as a as an example, you may be seeking out you know a different employment opportunity, and it's uh, the new job is great. Maybe it's more money, closer to home. You know all the things that check the boxes for you. But maybe you like the people you work with in your current job. By leaving that job, you may have feelings of grief, even though you're moving on to something bigger and better.
0: And I think that's, uh, COVID probably made this more relevant for us. Because if you think about it, you know, it's a shared human experience. But when COVID happened and it shut everybody down, there was loss, right? It was change. It's the reason why, to be honest, as a society, we reacted so poorly to it. And it's because we were grieving and we didn't know it. You know, and we were just told, you know, we'll get through it, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but we're, we refused to acknowledge the fact that there was some major changes in our lives a few years ago, and that made us feel things. You know? and, it, and we wrestled with that, and we struggled with that. And to be honest, most of us just kind of bared down and tried to work our way through it, but we know that with grief, that, that can't be the way we go through it. Um, I do just wanna hit this again, is um, grief starts with change. Okay, We think that it starts with loss, but it starts with change. Um, Change is already hard, right? Some of you would say you do not do change very well, Um, but every source of grief starts at this change at some point in our life. And um, I'm thinking we have uh, some friends who moved away a few months ago. Um, They love this church, but the move was the right move for them. It was the best for their career. It was the best for their family but there's still grief in that because they stepped out and away from this community and they're wrestling with those two feelings of this was a good thing. They needed to make that change, but they lost something. And that's the thing that they're struggling with right now because it starts with change, it's not just about loss. All right, so next question. Um, Now that we understand that everybody has some form of grief in their life, how do I know? Like like sitting in this room right now, if they were to check themselves, how would we know if we are grieving?
1: So grief is a full body experience. It affects your mind, body, and your spirit. Um, I'm going to go through a list of different things that people may experience in grief. It's not an exhaustive list, um, but it'll give you some ideas. Uh, grief can affect your cognition. Maybe bring thoughts of disbelief, uh, confusion, lack of concentration, memory issues. Spirituality. It can often disrupt your worldview and experience a crisis of meaning or belief. Maybe starting or stopping believing in God. Um, questioning. It leaves you questioning maybe your core beliefs. And behaviors. Um, there can be sleep disturbance, too much or not enough, appetite changes, forgetfulness, uh, lack of concentration again, social withdrawal, impaired work performance, a change in relationship, maybe even avoidance of certain things, yep. people, places. Emotionally, we've talked about sadness. Of course, there's sadness and grief, but there's also anger, fear, guilt, anxiety, yep. loneliness, numbness, depression, abandonment. I mean, we could go yep. on, 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 uh, Physical how, how do we feel grief in our bodies? There could be a hollowness in your stomach. You hear people talk about the pit in their stomach, a tightness in their chest, dry mouth, elevated blood pressure, sensitivity to noise, weight loss or gain, exhaustion, insomnia. You see all these things sort of conflict with each yeah. other. Um, yeah, those are some just bare sure, minimums yeah. Yeah. of... of feelings that you could experience.
0: Yeah. And so part of the conversation today is understanding that there is sorrow and there is sadness when there's loss, but that isn't the only way that we feel when we're grieving. And so part of it, if we go back to week one of the series, and if you weren't here, we would encourage you to go listen to it on the podcast. But in week one of the series, one of the things we talked about is we have to ask ourselves, what are the things that I'm carrying and what is the impact of those things? And so if you are feeling any of those feelings, like any of the things that she just brought up, you kind of have to check yourself or right, you just step back, why do I feel anger? Why do I feel sadness? Why do I feel this anxiety? Why do I feel kind of the swings of it? You know, There's a lot of mood swings in grief. It's you know, one day you're fine and the next moment you're not. Um, and, and it could be a ton of other things that you are wrestling with, right? It's the weights that we're carrying, um, but it could also be grief. And you really kinda gotta check that and you gotta kinda dig into that because it's not as simple as just the tears that you see falling from your eyes, right? It's all these other things that we go through. Um, So one of the things that you and I talked a a lot about um, on on your podcast, but also when we sat down to grab coffee, is um, universally, like, we're not good at this, right? We are very bad at grief. And so why do we as people, understanding that we all universally experience this thing, why do we struggle with grief?
1: Because we suck. (laughs) Seriously. That's it. <laughs> That's it, period. <laughs> no, as a, as a culture here in the US, uh, we tend to see grief as an illness or something that needs to be treated rather than something that needs to be attended to. Yeah. Most of us, including myself, work for companies and organizations that offer very little or zero days of bereavement leave when you experience the loss of someone in your life. For example, the hospice company that I worked for when my mom died 14 years ago, we actually had a really great offer of five days of bereavement leave. But as you can imagine, experience the traumatic and sudden loss of my mom, I was not ready to go back to work after just (laughs) five days. That was not enough. Um, And so that's one place, one small example where we don't do well in taking care of each other. Um, Folks are hurried and rushed to return back to normal life.
0: Yeah, and, and a lot of that is on us and our choice, right? We want to avoid the pain. We want to avoid what we're feeling. Um, but also, like as a culture, we don't do this well. And it's something that like, I would encourage anybody who's like, trying to get a new job, especially if you're young in your career, ask them about bereavement leave, because one of the things you'll learn is you'll get like three to five days for a parent, and you'll pretty much get no days for a cousin or a friend um, or people who aren't like immediate family um, But a lot of you, those are the people who carry you through those things, right? And so it's a question to ask and it's something to really push on because you have to have time. Um, Five days isn't enough, uh, even if you know it's coming, right? Even if you are at end of life with someone you love, even if you know there's a move, even if you know these things are happening, uh, five days is is never going to be enough. Um, You have to take the time that you have and you have to to do it the right way. Um, But you also have to understand that it, it is not a quick fix. It's not something that just goes away. Grief lasts for a very long time. And I,
1: I want to mention that while people in our lives very often, they mean well and they want to offer support, yeah. they um, but they come short. And by that, I mean, they can minimize, we can minimize each other's losses. Yep. Um, people say things that maybe aren't so helpful, but they feel like they're trying to be comforting to yep. you. Like those statements include... It's all for the best, or they're in a better place. No. Uh, my personal favorite, one of my personal favorites is it's God's will.
0: I disagree. <laughs> We've talked about that a lot. That's not the way it works. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and part of it, too, is like, uh, I, I heard this a, f- a few weeks ago. A friend of mine and I were talking about grief. One of the worst things that you can do when caring for other people's grief is ask them what they need. Because right? what you're doing is they're already wrestling with these things. They're already having to make decisions. They're already trying to figure out, how do I process this? How do I care? But one of the worst things that you can do is just say, hey, tell me what you need. Because what you're doing is you're taking another thing and going, hey, this is on your plate now. Really, the best thing that we can do as a society is say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to bring you meals, I'm gonna do your laundry, I'm gonna mow your lawn, I'm just gonna sit outside and when you're ready to talk to somebody, come and talk to me. But we do that and we do a lot of the, hey, just tell me what you need, is because we are uncomfortable as people with grief. And one of the hard things about grief is that we almost treat it like it's this topic that's off limits, right? We give people this really small grace period where they're allowed to feel what they feel and it's about three to five business days. But after that, there is this expectation that it's time to move on. It's time to start moving in the right direction. And maybe we don't expect them to be completely to a place that's like a good place, but we do expect them to, to really start moving forward after that period of time. And part of this is because we, as people, are uncomfortable with other people's sorrow, right? We are uncomfortable with other people's anger or their numbness, right? We have been taught that when bad things happen, we toughen up. Right? Or one of my favorite men, you know this. Your father has probably said this to you before. You start experiencing loss, and they say, boys don't cry. Right? They immediately take that opportunity away from you to grieve, or it's the life moves on. Right? you got to move on. you got to move forward. And so we have this terrible approach to grief, but grief is part of the human experience. Right? So much so that even Jesus experienced grief in his own life. One of Jesus' best friends was a guy named Lazarus, and one day, Jesus is told that Lazarus has died. And so he goes to the town where Lazarus was living, and when he gets there, he asked the crowd, where have you put him? He asked them, uh, and they told him, Lord, come and see. And upon seeing Lazarus, John, who wrote this, who was there, writes this. It says, then Jesus wept, right? It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Then Jesus wept. His heart was breaking for the loss of his friend. He felt sorrow and he felt pain. Someone he had loved had died and it had brought him grief. Right? And this weeping that he went through was an understandable, non-sinful, real response to the loss of a friend. Jesus also said in Matthew 5, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, when he said that, uh, it would be nice if the they will be comforted came from people. But again, we're not very good at this. And so what he's saying is when you mourn, God comforts you, right? God God will never tell you, hey, buck up. It's time to keep going. One of my favorite passages in the Bible comes from Ecclesiastes 3. Solomon, who's one of the wisest people to ever live, wrote, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. And what he's explaining to us through his wisdom is that life has both highs and lows, right? Following God has both highs and lows. There is joy and there is grief. There is life and there is death, right? And and he talks about it as if it's like in seasons, But we all know that sometimes these things happen at the same time, right? These are parts of our life. In Romans 12, Paul writes to the church in Rome and he talks about what is real and authentic community. And he says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And so all of this is to say that um, grief is a natural part of life, It's a natural part of change and it's a natural part of loss. And it's something that we have to wrestle with So I'm going to give you permission. You are allowed to feel grief. You are allowed to do that. You don't need to move on right away. You don't need to buck up. You don't need to hide the way that you're feeling. And we have to get to a place as a society and as a culture and as a church where we understand that, because if we don't, we will never heal. We will never grow. We will never be able to move forward kind of into this new life that exists for us. And so with all of that being said, right we have permission to grieve. Karen, how would you suggest that we handle grief in our own life? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, you know, Michael, as you said, grief is not something that we can get over. It is a mountain that we must climb and move through. Yep. Um, and it never really ends. As I mentioned before, there's no end date. I sit here 14 years later and I still grieve my mom's death. Not all the time, not every day, but there are moments. As we move through the experience of grief, again, I want to remind you, it takes time. It's important that you practice self-care. I know it's far easier said than done, um, but that would include things like prioritizing your basic human needs, making sure you're getting rest, making sure you're getting nutrition, Um, Exercise. I like to call that sweat therapy. Um, Just Even taking a walk um, can can help you in those moments. Trying to stick to a routine. Grief interrupts uh, your sense of normalcy and therefore disrupts the emotions in the process. Sticking to a routine can help you regain a sense of control. Attend to those emotions. Michael just talked about that. Don't stuff them down. You've absolutely got you've got to name what you're feeling yep. and, and really attend to them. Resist the urge to distract yourself by keeping busy. Anyone here do that? <laughs> Me? <laughs> um, and don't be ashamed to cry or express those emotions. Um, moving your grief outward by expressing your feelings in ways that make sense to you. So journaling, writing, Storytelling about your loved one, making or listening to music, making art or even collage work. My personal favorite is breaking stuff.
0: (laughs) It's good. Yeah.
1: So, you know, they've opened a rage room here in downtown Frederick. (laughs) I haven't been, but I I was thinking last night, I'm like, oh, this could be a nice small group (laughs) idea.
0: Just break things for eight weeks. Uh It's good. I'll be Uh, there.
1: You know, so having that physical outlet could be
0: appropriate, yeah. uh, in appropriate ways, okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and part of that too is, is being vulnerable, yeah. right? P- part of that is talking to other people about it because you might not fully understand why you're feeling what you're feeling or what that feeling is, but isolation is also one of the big detriments to grief is because you kind of just sit in that place yeah. and finding the right people that you can sit down with and say, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. I think I'm feeling this way. Right. I think I'm still mourning this loss. I, I think you know, one year, 10 years, 20 years later, this still hits me on that day or when the sky looks a certain way or when I feel that feeling, that memory comes up. And being able to have people in your life where you're able to communicate and process and have part of the conversation is a huge part of that as well. Yeah,
1: reaching out to others and remembering and realizing the connections that you yeah. have that remain in your life, even without your person. Um, And it's okay to take time. You know, people say, I just need to be alone and that's okay. But also don't isolate yourself.
0: Yeah. And and that kind of leads us to the second part of this question, because um, I think the thing that I've learned the most in, in seeing the grief that you all have experienced is that Um, there's this point in grieving where people are with you, um, and it could be days, it can even be weeks, but at some point, they move on right? Because their life moves on. And so how do we handle this grief while we are still grieving, but the people in our life are completely forward. They, they no longer are sitting in that place anymore.
1: Yeah. I think that that is one of the most challenging aspects of grief is watching everyone else move on with their lives while you're trying to rebuild and reconcile your own. Michael, we talked about um, this term and sort of theory, the assumptive world. Yep. And in basically, before your loss, you could make assumptions about your life, things that have led you to believe that the world makes sense, things are logical. If you do the right thing, everything will be okay. And then you experience the loss of someone you love. And that challenges, and it changes your assumptive world. Therefore, you realize that you're in your worldview it can't always be accounted for. Those things that made sense before may not be accounted for or being able to be reconciled. And I think that some of the difficulties with that is being around other people. If that person that you're speaking to maybe you know experienced the same loss, their assumptive world may be a little bit different, but it has been changed yeah. as well. If you're talking to someone who didn't experience your loss they can't understand the world that you're living in. Yeah. So that's where it can be helpful. You know, you've got your people, you reach out. It can be helpful to speak to a therapist or a grief counselor and that they're a third party. They're a non-biased opinion. They don't know you, they don't know your person. And that can really be beneficial as well.
0: Yeah, and so, so making this as, as blunt as I can, when you experience grief, your life is never the same. Okay, and when you try to make it the same, it's just gonna create chaos. More pain, more trauma, uh, more insecurity, more fear. It could lead you to further into addiction or deeper down that path. When you go through these things, the life you had before is not the life you have moving forward. But the struggle is that the people around you, the life they had before is still the life they have moving forward, right? Think about it like train tracks. When you experience this type of loss, you literally shift over to a separate set of train tracks. Now you might be moving in the same direction, but the tracks are gonna ride a little bit differently. They might be a little bit bumpier, right? They might have a little bit more meandering as you go through. You're still moving in the right direction or the direction that you're trying to head in, but it's just different this time. And so when you go through these losses, you can't say, but it used to be like this, right? That's the assumptive world. That's what it used to be like. It's not, it cannot be like that anymore. Right? And that is why you know, we either compartmentalize and try to avoid it, and those days and those nights and those weeks make, you know, bring pain, those, those anniversaries, or you know, we lean in and understand, this is my life now. Right? And that is okay, as long as you continue to work through it. But part of the tension we feel is we as people don't understand that their life has changed. Right? We don't fully grasp that because our life hasn't. So one of the things that I wanna challenge you all to do for the people in your life that are struggling through grief is asking those questions of, hey, what is life like now for you? Right? You won't fully understand it and you won't fully be able to feel it, but you will be able to say, okay, I, I see this. But one of the worst things that we can do is try to get them back on that first set of train tracks because it doesn't exist anymore, right? Their life is completely different. Um, Karen, one of the things that you and I talked about too in grief, Again, like we, we've sat down a few times, and every time I'm like, this rocks my world because I've never thought about this before. Um, when it comes to the assumptive world and kind of this new world you're facing, there's also this other element um, for people who have lost children, where um, one of the things that we do when we've experienced that loss is that uh, we age children, but it, we don't do that with adults right. who, who we've lost. So can you talk us through that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, for a personal example, my mom would be 65 yep. this summer. And um, I don't think of her as a 65 year old woman prancing around heaven. That's That's not my view of her. However, when parents lose children, oftentimes as their child ages, when every birthday comes around, that child continues to age even though they're no longer present on this yeah. earth. Um, and I think that's important to remember uh, if you have people in your life who are bereaved parents that you remember those birthdays, you remember those things and celebrate that because in those parents' minds, they're still thinking about all those milestones that their child didn't have the opportunity to reach. Yeah,
0: and part of the thing that we can do is understand that you know, when we've experienced loss, say of a grandparent or even a parent, it's not the same, right? And that is okay, right? It's not the same feeling, it's not the same future, it's not the same, you know, grief process. And, you know, Collective as a church, um, you know, and I said this a few weeks ago, I think the worst loss you can go through is the loss of a child. And there are people in this church who have experienced that before. And so again, part of the conversation today is letting you know that it's okay to grieve that way and to remember those milestones and to kind of wrestle with those feelings, but also as a community, we need to understand that, right? It's, it's one of those things that we just don't talk about is the yeah. loss of children. And yet it's like one out of every three women experience this thing. And so we're in this place where we're surrounded by people who have felt that before, but we don't do it well. And so this is kind of a teaching moment, but this is also a challenging moment for our church to understand that, hey, we won't fully understand the grief process, but now we know how to walk alongside people who've experienced that before. And so, all right, last question. Um, And and we could have had a much bigger conversation on this, but one of the things that, that I understand is that this isn't something we talk about. You don't talk about it with your friends. Um, You're probably not talking about it with HR when you experience a loss and the church is Horrible when it comes to people who are going through grief, right? Because the church probably more than anything else does the, it's all part of God's will. Everything happens for a reason. Like these these one-liners that kind of push people away from that, which is why we're having this conversation today. Um, But we are just scratching the surface of what grief is. Um, And so uh, that's why we have to talk about it. This is kind of icebreaker for us, okay? Um, This is not the fullness of the conversation, but this is us sitting in a room together going, okay, our understanding of this is different. Therefore, we are now different, right? And that's a good thing. It's a lot of what we try to do here at Collective. And so it's important for us to acknowledge grief, um, but it's also important for us to have the right resources because the goal isn't just to get over it. It's not just to move on because the truth is your life will never be the same. Uh, We cannot shove it deep down in our soul that's why it's in this series of the things we carry some of you are carrying grief and the idea isn't you take that brick and you chuck it out the window it's saying and acknowledging i have this and i need to i need to really wrestle with what this means for me. And so um, we're going to put some resources up on the screen really quickly. And I would encourage you to take a screenshot. There's, t- there's two slides. We're going to post it on social media this week. But mm-hmm. specifically, sure. um, the first resource yeah. on the first slide is something um, that is really near and dear to who you are. So will you talk us through that?
1: Absolutely. So whatsyourgrief.com was developed by two <clears throat> colleagues of mine uh, who I've worked with uh, in the organ and tissue donation world. Uh, and they both experienced um, parental loss at uh, in their 20s, very much like myself. And, um, when they were looking for resources and things, there just wasn't something out there for them. And so they developed what is now an incredibly robust organization, more than just a website. Um, and what's your grief.com. I encourage you to take a peek at that. Um, there are webinars that you can look at on your own time. There are blog posts. There are, I mean, There's so many resources that are there, uh, and I encourage you to check them out. Um, There are peer support groups, so things that are run by other grievers, people who've experienced what you've experienced, and they can be in person or online. Um, Professionally-led support groups or counseling, as we've talked about. Um, Are uh, different opportunities. I always encourage people to, um, if they work for an employer that has an employee assistance program, the EAP, I encourage folks to look there if they really have no idea where to look first, because in those programs, they have have resources for you. Um, Local hospice and end-of-life care organizations, so I know Hospice of Frederick County, offers uh, different support groups. Um, There are many other hospices in the state that do that. Um, Our organization, Infinite Legacy, we offer um, support Uh, webinars, uh, workshops, things like that. And we offer them to the community at large, um, not just our donor family. So there are many different arenas and areas for you to check out some support. Um, Virtual counseling, this has really come leaps and bounds in the last three years, as you can imagine, where you don't have to leave your home to reach out to a qualified professional. Uh, So those uh, different websites are listed there as well. There's also um, some crisis hotlines That are available uh, for for those who are really in in difficult, difficult places and need somebody 24-7. I do want to recommend one book to you. It's not up here. I'm sorry. Uh, But it's because I've had it on my bookshelf for, I don't know, probably two years because I'm a book collector versus a reader sometimes. And um, it is called It's Okay... You're Not Okay Hmm. by Megan Devine. Uh, She is a psychologist who experienced the loss of her husband when he was 39 years old. And she realized even as a professional that (laughs) we suck at this. So um, I encourage you to check that out. Um, I'm actually listening to it. It started this week. So I'm I'm really, really digging that. Um, So I encourage you to... Check that
0: out. Yeah, and I would even say, too, if you um, are just nervous about it, um, one of the things that we encourage people to do is you can write mental health, write grief on your connection card in the prayer request spot, and we'll even send you these resources. Mm -hmm. Collective has resources. We have um, connections to counselors that we can also, like, make that, uh, bridge that for you. Um, It it is a lot. It is a lot to say and acknowledge. Hey, I think I'm struggling with this, and I need to take this step. Um, But consider this the first step.
1: Even yeah. as, a, as a professional, I got my master's degree in thanatology, which is the study of death, dying, and bereavement. And my degree was conferred one week after my mother died. Yeah. And so even as a professional who, uh, and just completed a master's program in grief counseling, end of life care, uh, it was like six months until yeah. I was like, oh, I need help.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that you told me with the loss of your mom was that your degree kind of went out the window, um, but it was the people. Right Like you guys being surrounded by this incredible group of people who allowed you to be in that place and sat with you in that place yes. that really got you to the point six months later. you are like, okay, we, we've got to work on this, Absolutely. and even being in the professional field, it still hits, and um, it doesn't mean you have the tools, it doesn't mean you know you're going to use them right away yeah. um, and so um, you know as, as we close out today, as we talk about this topic. Um, One of the things we we really want to encourage you guys is to really dig into this. Um, A lot of you are grieving right now, and and maybe you don't know it. Uh, Maybe today is like kind of a punch in the face when it comes to like the way that you're feeling. But the other side of that is, you know, because it is a shared human experience, at some point you'll experience this type of thing. And um, our hope and our prayer is that this is the beginning of that conversation. And so uh, will you do me a favor? Will you give it up for Karen? Thank you. Um, Karen's going to be in the lobby with me after service today. So if you want to talk to her about it, um, you know, just, just kind of hear a little bit more, ask some of those questions you can. Um, here's the last thing I'm going to say before we, we jump into communion. Um, the reason why we're talking about this in this series um, isn't just because it's a shared human experience, it isn't just because we, we go through grief. Um, it's because when, when we read in Scripture and we read who Jesus is, there's, there's two things I want to point out. The first, uh, we read in the book of Hebrews that uh, it says that we don't have a high priest that can't empathize with us. Right? The thing that you are feeling right now, Jesus understands fully. Right? There is a full set of empathy. He understands loss. He understands pain. Um, you think about God and who he was, sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. He he understands those things. The the second thing that we learn in scripture too, um, when leading into Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, one of the things he says to his followers is that there is hope in grief, that there is joy in sorrow. And one of the best things that we can do is to wrestle with this feeling, to wrestle with what we've been through, is to have that community, but it's to understand um, that God can move us from sorrow to joy. And it doesn't mean everything will be perfect. It doesn't mean you stay on that same train track. What it means is that he's with you. You know, as we read through Matthew 11, it talks about he carries the weight with you, right? It's not really something that we hand to him and then we just go off on our way, you know, and and he takes care of it. What Jesus wants you to do and what he wants to do in this season of your life is to walk alongside you and carry that burden with you. And the more you trust him, the more you lean into him, the more eventually you start to see that joy and feel that hope and experience those things that he has for us. Let's pray. God, um, we're so thankful, um, really, that there are things that we go through in this life that we know 100% we are not alone. But God, not only are we not alone as, as we struggle with grief, as we experience change and loss, um, God, we, we see that you went through it as well. God, we see that your son went through it as well. We see um, that his closest friends went through it as well. And God, they, they spent their time mourning and weeping. And God, eventually uh, it did turn to joy, um, a different life, but with, with joy and with hope. And so God, I just pray as we, we kind of break the ice on this, this heavy topic, this big topic, um, that we take the time this week to really figure out uh, is the feeling that we're feeling coming from grief and, and are we ready to, to really start working through it, to start calling it by name, to start wrestling with it, to start figuring out what does our life look like now that we've experienced those things. And God, um, through all of that, we are so thankful that we don't have to do this alone. God, that it's not our own strength, that it's not our own power, it's not our own understanding and wisdom, but God, that we could link up with you, we can link up with your son and we can walk together and you will carry that weight with us and you will teach us in a humble and gentle way. And God, we can move to a place where we have been through loss, but we can still live freely and lightly. God, we thank you for heavy topics. God, we thank you for the opportunity to share this as a community, and God, knowing that we can all take one big step forward when it comes to grief. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.